Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Row 7 podcast. Uh, I have a new special guest in the house, my cousin Rudy, uh, bringing the NBA and all these uh, all these updates to the table. Uh, obviously, I have my brother Chris here, who is my right-hand man. But Rudy, welcome to the podcast. Hope, uh, hope this is one of many more for you, my friend. Thank you, Alex. Appreciate you having me here, man. And uh, hope I can bring some uh, good insight and combo to uh, you know, the topics at hand, man. Absolutely, absolutely. So without further further ado, we are going to kick it off and talk about a little NBA. Uh there's uh there's a lot of a lot of noise going on right now within the NBA, a lot of talk. Uh the NBA NBA season is supposed to kind of kind of roll uh sometime here in the near future in Orlando. Uh but there's a lot of players kind of kind kind of coming out and speaking uh whether they're yay or nay on this season. Uh one of the most popular names Kyrie Irving has made a has made several comments in in terms of him not being willing to play this season so uh so let me get your uh, your initial feedback guys what do you guys think on, uh, about Kyrie and his uh his opinions on this season uh well I <clears throat> I briefly read you know Kyrie's comments and uh I I understand the perspective that he is coming from uh I see I see, I see the logic behind some NBA players not wanting to go back to playing the game of basketball because it certainly does draw attention away from uh, more prevalent issues at hand. Um, it's, it, it's kind of very, a very tricky line because, you know, you're going to get those people that say, oh, well, you get paid a lot of money, just quote-unquote shut up and dribble, you know. But as we've kind of heard from a lot of athletes, it's not about that. You know, it's about using your platform. Is, is, and being as vocal as you can about it, but I, I don't really know. I mean, it's it's a very tricky situation, if you ask me. Rudy, any th- any thoughts, any opinions on, on Kyrie's uh, latest comments? Um, yeah, I mean, um, for me, I mean, I agree with Kyrie, and I stand by, I guess, you know, his uh, his uh, opinion in terms of, uh, you know, what he's trying to do in terms of using his um, – platform I guess you know promote social justice and I'm all for that but I also agree and think that you know um that the players should be able to play I mean there there aren't as many people who are fortunate to make as much money as Kyrie Irving so I mean you know with with the whole whole pay cut and the whole indifference of people actually playing I mean we got to take a lot of things into perspective I mean LeBron James even stated that I mean he's going to continue promoting social change while he's playing basketball so I mean like Christian said I don't really know what what to make too much of this topic. There's just a lot to take in and digest. Of course. And, and I, I definitely understand where Kyrie is coming from. I, I hear his points and he makes some valid points. Uh, I, I think a word that, that a lot of people that's being thrown out there right now is distraction. Sports are a distraction. And I think when it comes to the, the black lives matter movement and the social injustice that's currently going on, um, I think it's, that's a bad word to kind of associate with sports. Sports are, yes, they're an enjoyment, but the Black Lives Matter movement is definitely at the forefront of all that's going on right now, and especially when it comes to NBA players, as they are the predominant uh, player in the, in the NBA. So I, I can fully understand why he's against, against playing. Uh, I'm a proponent of just kind of, kind of just let's just play sports, but I, I understand and I'm, I'm willing to be receptive to the fact that he's not – not interested in playing because he's looking to promote uh, the topic at hand, you know, social injustice that's current currently going on. And as you see little by little, um, there, there's, 
there's been a couple more players who have spoken out. Dwight Howard is, is along the same lines as he is. He feels that he would rather hold off on playing basketball than, than kind of, you know, not addressing the matter at hand, which is the Black Lives Matter movement, which is, which is currently still simmering, to say the least. Sure, absolutely. And, you know, it's, it's very easy for a guy to, like Kyrie, as we've mentioned, he's, he's well paid. And, you know, he kind of, he, if he really comes down to it, he could walk away from the game of basketball and really never be troubled financially. But uh, I do appreciate him trying to use his platform as broadly as he can. Um, I think Austin Rivers had a pretty good take on it. He said, you know, we can still use our platform to speak out about social injustices while still playing the game of basketball. You know, it, it does take your mind off things in a sense that, you know, it kids keeps kids off the streets, you know, from committing crimes and whatnot. And that, that's, that's a certainly a valid argument, but I, I think uh, it's easy for a guy like Kyrie to say that, you know, we shouldn't play because one, he's financially well off, but two, I, I also think, you know, if you're an NBA player and you're, and you have that strong of a sentiment about it, then, well, you should be able to, um, take a sabbatical or a leave of absence without pay, you know, much like we all, we much like a lot of these people protesting in the streets right now or doing right now, they probably are not working. They're spending their 90 days protesting. So if you feel the same Kyrie, well, I think it's very easy for you to tell the Nets, Hey, I need to take some time off. This is where my, my time and effort needs to be spent. And if that means I'm not going to get paid, then so be it. But that's, if that's the hill you want to die on, well, so be it. You know, you, you want to stand up for something. I think you should follow through on that. And I'm sure not a lot of NBA players agree with that. I'm sure some are 50-50 about it. You know, you've got the opposite end of that where you've got guys like LeBron James who say they want to play through it all and still continue speaking out, as Rudy mentioned. And I do appreciate that, too, because a guy like LeBron has a massive platform, like worldwide, you know. Absolutely. Absolutely. I um, I'm of the mindset that I, I believe they can play, but I understand their sentiments, whether if they do or don't. Uh, but I, I fully, fully agree that the NBA, aside from players themselves, can use the NBA as, as an engine, as a source to kind of promote the Black Lives Matter movement. Uh, whether you put decals on the court, whether they wear uh, some type of uh, you know piece of um, amended thing to their uniforms, just something on their shoes, just... You know, it, it, when it comes to their interviews or press conferences, I want to I'm, I'm here to address this matter to keep it to keep it circulating. So that way it doesn't kind of fall by the wayside. So there's definitely measures to take. And I'm just kind of coming at it from from a very small outlet and a small perspective. There's probably much more creative ways for for athletes to kind of use their platform to not only while they're playing, but while they're in the locker room, while they're in practice, because the topic uh, the topic does not need to be dis- discouraged, and it, it's it's got to it's got to stay at the forefront. So, and and going along there too, I mean, especially with everything going on, especially with social injustice, and I mean COVID nineteen, it'd be good to see. I mean, some NBA action back at it, and like you said, Alex, I mean, the NBA is a large organization that has vast opportunity to use their platform to help promote this along along while they're also trying to get the NBA season started. So, like you said put some decals on the floor while also promoting the black Lives matters, maybe with some like ad basis while the NBA season is trying to get started again. So I completely agree. And I think we could all move forward just seeing some basketball playing right now. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, I wholeheartedly agree. I mean, it came down, got down to it yesterday that, and not to, not to discourage the, the conversation at hand, but I, I was, I tuned in to watch uh, bags or um, what, what is it, what's it also referred to as? Cornhole. Cornhole. Cornhole, and it was competitive cornhole, and I was enthralled by the fact that there was some sort of, some sort of athletic activity going on. So, needless to say, the the platform that basketball has, the NBA, they're only growing. They they can definitely use uh, all their financial ability. Uh, owners need to really step up. There's not a whole lot of owners that have kind of specifically spoken out. I know that everybody has basically put out a statement, but I would like to hear kind of some some ownership and some front office speak on, on exactly where their, their stance is because it's, it's needed as well too. Uh, to, to pivot off that a little bit, you know, you, you, the NBA has real contingency plans to play and that's very much so in action. You know, that's, that's, I don't see that for, I don't foresee that, you know, becoming an issue, you know, the NBA, they're, they're going to play their basketball and they rightfully should, but I think they could also take a message from the NFL. You know, you've got guys, like J.J. Watt and Johnny Manziel right now, who are being questioned if they will be kneeling during the national anthem in in the beginning of the game. And uh, they've already made it abundantly clear that they full well intend to do so and that they made it clear that it's not about disrespecting the flag, not to get off topic, but Kyrie, you could take a, a page from these guys' book and, and do something before the game, do something during the game, halftime, you know what I mean? The, the whole world will be watching, as we all know. You know, we're all dying to see any kind of sports again. So if you if you really take that platform while the whole world's watching and you capitalize on that and keep – I don't want to – what's the proper adjective for it? I, I, I guess you just keep uh, bringing up the issue and, and, you know, not letting it die down, keep resurfacing it. You know, attention keeps staying on the topic and people will continue to take note that, you know, this is something that's not going away and – whether you play or not, you can protest. But as we've mentioned, there's plenty of opportunities for them to do so on and off the court, during a game, whatnot, whatever it may be. But I don't know. Just my take. No, you're 100% right. And I, and I do appreciate uh, J.J. Watt uh, and Baker Mayfield kind of taking that, that first step to say, hey, this is exactly where I stand. If I lose fans, if I lose support because of it, so be it. But this is exactly where I need to be and where I'm at. And I'm going to stand firm at that. So for them to take that, that initiative and, and, and be two white players in the NFL, it, it definitely shows that leadership uh, and they're, they're willing to kind of take their, the, by, the, by the stronghold, you know? So it, it's, it's a good move by them. It's, it's just kind of funny, too, how it's like exclusively only the NFL where players can protest on the court or on field, you know what I mean? Why, why is it that nobody else in any other sport has taken note that, hey, we've got a national platformer here where millions of people are watching. Why don't we try and do something during the game, you know? Uh, another player to mention, Josh Jacobs, somebody tweeted like, oh, I, I, I hope nobody in the Raiders organization will be kneeling during the anthem. Otherwise, I won't be a fan anymore. And Josh Jacobs tweeted back at him like, peace, peace, Jif, because, you know, they we don't need they you. Feel- yeah, exactly. We don't need you. And that's that's absolutely the the sentiments that players like Kyrie and Dwight Howard should share, you know. But it's also worth mentioning that uh, I th- the first thing that came to my mind when I read Kyrie and Dwight Howard's statements was, well, you know, there's going to be those people that say uh, this is not the time and the place or you get paid a lot of money or the shut up and dribble argument. But it's like, uh, as we've seen time and time before in a classic example, Colin Kaepernick, you know, 
he he did it on field. He did it. He was the first to do it, and he got shamed for it. And now other players, such as Kyrie and Dwight, you know, they don't want to take away from the spotlight. But it's like, here's your chance to really uh, keep keep the keep the media's media's attention and the whole world's attention on what's going on, you know. And I I hate to see, I hate to say it, but I feel like a lot of people are going to strongly ridicule them for saying that they don't want to play probably because of their money and whatnot, but this is this is their chance to really uh, draw the world, you know, draw even more attention to the to the subject at hand that's really ongoing and hopefully won't be going away anytime soon. And I agree, man. I don't think that, um, you know, necessarily that Kyrie doesn't want to play or Dwight doesn't want to play, but as you mentioned earlier, it's, it's all about their money, and that's kind of what the players stated. I don't know if, if you guys saw, like, that Kyrie Irving video call he had with, 80 other NBA players just trying to make sure people are getting paid as well as also, you know, moving along their, their social justice um, needs and, and, and platform um, issues to make their own takes on that topic. But I don't necessarily think that the players don't want to be played. I think it's just necessarily going along the lines of that players want to make sure that everyone's getting paid. So why shouldn't I, I, I get paid? But I think, like you said earlier as well, Ultimately, everyone's going to push for that July 31st start date. And when push comes to shove, most of the NBA players are going to end up playing on that July 31st start date, at least my take. Yeah, I, I firmly believe that the NBA uh, is in full flight to take off uh, for that scheduled date for them to start again. And and I'm a proponent. I, I support the, the Black Lives Matter movement. So if they want – if players like Kyrie, if players like Dwight Howard uh, or anybody across the league want to send a message, you know, keep it in the forefront, put it, push for your organization to put decals on the floor, put something on your uniform. Um, I know, you know, here, here's, here's something to tie it together. Uh, teams in the English Premier League, the soccer league, um, they, they start this upcoming weekend. And my understanding is that all the players across the league are not going to have their surnames, so their last names on their on their kits, their jerseys. They're going to have Black Lives Matter. That's that's an excellent way to promote it. Excellent. You don't have you don't have your name, your last name on there, your surname, but you put on there Black Lives Matter. That is going to send a message. It's going to say, hey, yes, we're here to play, but also this is this is an important matter, and we're addressing it from across the pond, across the globe. So there, there's there's methods to go about it. So. Uh, I, I'm in full support of the, the movement, uh, but I, want to, I do want to see basketball as well, too, and, and, I, and I hope that is not taken as a, as a selfish thought. I think you're totally right, Alex, and I, I hadn't even heard about that, what was going on in the EPL, but that's actually really awesome. I think uh, it's a noble, noble cause that they're getting behind, and, you know, it's really something very minuscule that they can do in regards to what's going on in the world, but, you know... Uh, Many people out there are very hypercritical about not disrespecting flag, the troops, and whatnot. But this is a very non non confrontational way of saying, "Listen, this is a cause we support, and we're going to stand behind it, however we can." And hopefully, uh, other sports will see see the same, see similar causes or see a similar logic and follow suit. You know? Yeah, I I I agree. I mean. At, at this point, I want to see, and, and this is kind of a personal thought, just from from all his uh, his promotion promoting of the Black Lives Matter movement uh, and how have, he's being uh, at the forefront, LeBron James. I, I selfishly want to see him win a championship. He's had somewhat of a tumultuous year. He he lost one of his best friends in Kobe. Uh, 
at right at the, at the beginning of the year, essentially. Uh, and then all this kind of transpiring with COVID-19, the pandemic basically shutting the league down. And now the Black Lives Matter movement on how there's been uh, many, many, all too many injustices going on uh, to the to the black males and females uh, of this country. It's just wrong. So I, I want to see LeBron go out there and absolutely dominate. It's just kind of my thoughts. I mean. And I think that's what most people want to see. People want to see at least what somewhat normal NBA season too. And I think a lot of the players mindsets too. I think a lot of people, a lot of them are wary about like where this season will stand, I guess, like in terms of like the legacy of the NBA, just because how, how, you know, changing the topic a little bit, but like how weirdly formatted, like the seating is and everything and the whole playoff structure as well as the rest of this NBA season. So, I mean, but I agree. I was completely, I think uh, it would be great to see some basketball, see LeBron James go out there and try to win a championship for the Lakers and hopefully bring some hope and prosperity among people and among, you know, the U.S. right now because we need it. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and to slightly transition a little bit, uh, I was it was brought to my attention that uh, one of our local guys, uh, one of uh, a Chicago Bears player, and, and not just any player, uh, Mitch Trubisky, the, the quarterback of, of the Bears, uh, made a comment, and it kind of caught my attention. And it's it's, it's an interesting perspective on where he stands. Uh, and I know that they also brought in uh, Nick Foles to, to kind of compete. Uh, but uh, let me know what you guys think about this. I was, I was reading an article, and Mitch Trubisky thinks that the Bears are still his team. Um, thoughts, thoughts, because I, I, I have a couple opinions as well, too. I, I mean, think, I laughed. Uh, go ahead. Go no, ahead. go ahead, Rudy, please. Uh, I was just going to say, I mean, I, I laughed when I first saw that headline. I think it was uh, – by NBC Sportsnet or something like that, right? Um, Mitch is very confident and he's hungry because of uh, the Bears bringing Nick Foles. Supposedly made him angry. I mean, for me personally, I think that ship has has long been sailed with Mitch Trubisky. And maybe just because I'm a biased, angry Bears fan. But I mean, seeing Mitch Trubisky tear down at the end of uh, the Bears last season and, and the way we were so triumphantly defeated, um, I guess we didn't really have a season. We went eight and eight, but still, I mean, with me, I, I think that chip sailed. I think it's just more just mental talk for himself to psych himself into the competition that's been brought in, you know, because it's unwary right now where the Bears' future is with our QB, at least from my perspective. No, you're, you're, you definitely have a valid point there, Rudy. It could just be him, you know, trying to uh, play mental games with himself, you know, and say, like, I, I, take, I took responsibility for shitting the bed the past few years, and now this is my season to maybe take a step up. And listen, uh, I, I've always been high on Mitch, and I, I, I will always hold him in a high regard because we took him so high in the draft, and for us to just kind of leave him by the side of the road is kind of shitty for him and shitty for us because it didn't work out well. But I think this could be the, the motivating factor that he needs to maybe take that step forward. And, well, I, I imagine that he will probably start game one for the Bears just because of his loyalty to, to the organization. However, I think that the – cord will be pretty short on him if we don't see drastic improvement in in the offense I think Bears fans and and the organization alike won't hesitate to uh sit him down and let Foles step up to the plate what we could expect from Foles I don't really know but all, all that being said a little competition never hurt anybody and you know maybe it could be the driving factor that uh pushes him to maybe take a step up yeah uh I'm I'm all for competition, uh, Rudy. I agree with your sentiments on on the fact that the ship has sailed. 
Uh, I personally, and my brother Chris can attest to this, I've never been high on Mitch. Uh, that's just kind of where I've stood. I know he's had some stellar games against uh, teams here and there throughout his years with the Bears. But, but to be taken so high in the draft and to – and I don't want to. I don't want to don it on him. I don't want. I don't want to give him that term. But I. I associate bust with it, with him, and uh, I. I think that this is a good. This could be a good change for him. A little bit of a challenge in a sense, the to to bring. You know, a, a, not a not in a sense a rival, but a challenge in in terms of competition. You you need to you need something to light a fire under you, and maybe Nick Foles is that is that key player. But from the other side, you have to think Nick Foles is coming off an injury. Uh, I, I believe it was a shoulder problem that he had that kind of limited uh, his, his, his season last year. So this will be very intriguing. Um, yes, he, he will probably get that starting nod. But Chris, you, to, to attest to you, that leash will indefinitely be short. I probably would say four games max. If, uh, if he doesn't Week show four. some significant improvement, uh, the, the plug is pulled and, and he's probably riding the bench for the remainder of the year, unless, uh, you know, Nick Foles proves to be just a, a, a dud. So uh, I'm, I'm hoping that's not the case because with, with our bears, our beloved bears, I know it's, it's, it's always up and down and some years it's the defense that's terrible and other years it's the, the offense that's terrible. So we're trying to find that happy medium where we can have a solid offense and a solid defense. So, let's just bring some hope to, to bears friends in Chicago and, and across the country, because I know they're all over the place, you know? For sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, it'll be definitely interesting to see. I'd almost like to think that Mitch doesn't even get four full games. If he plays like dog shit, which <clears throat> is a very good possibility. I think it's all also a little worrisome. You know, you got Foles coming back from an injury and whatnot. And outside of Philadelphia, he doesn't have the best track record. However, I'd like to give him the benefit of the doubt that, you know, he's been placed in some bad situations and whatnot. But if he can come back and show he's healthy enough to play, hell, let's give the ball to Foles and let him run with it. And, and Trubisky could always be our fail-safe. You know, we don't need a, a Chase Daniels riding the pine pony on the bench anymore. Got a first-round draft pick who hasn't really panned out. But, hey, I mean, maybe maybe him sitting on the bench and taking a thing or two uh, – out of Nick Foles' playbook could help him out. You know, it could it could be a benefiting beneficial thing for both both players. You know, who's to say that the Bears can't run with the two quarterback scenario after a certain point in time? You know, I know that seems kind of outlandish, but shit, we know Matt Nagy to be the wild, absolute wild card of the NFL offensively. So, you know, you can't really rule anything out uh, offensively for the Bears. Yeah. Um... Uh, let's let's just get this competition going and and really see who, who it comes down to because it it might be decided that even before the season starts you know game one it could be Foles that's you know that's taken starting so so there there's there's several cards that that can can unfold here I, I'm I'm willing to give him one more shot I'll I'll give Trubisky one more shot uh, maybe I'm wrong on the the four games, maybe you're right. Maybe it is one or two games. I, I don't know how, how short that leash is for him, but I think the, we need to see some, some more on target throws for him and uh, be able to handle pressure much better because uh, he, he just doesn't well, do well under pressure. And sometimes he throws uh, and I, and I wonder where he's throwing, you know, it's, it's, it's intriguing to say the least. Rudy, any, yeah. any, 
last thoughts on that? Uh, I mean, the last thoughts is I just think, you know, Nick Foles really doesn't have much to lose in this situation either. So, I mean, it could be like an outstanding situation for the Bears. I mean, uh, I mean, I wish the best for Mitch. I mean, I don't necessarily have the best faith in him. Um, but, but, you know, give him a shot. Like you guys said, I mean, uh, maybe he does have an outstanding season and we're all wrong. Hopefully so. I mean, I, I can only hope that for the Bears. But, I mean, at least we'll have Nick Foles to fall back on. And uh, hopefully we can move forward and see a decent season out of the Bears. Yeah, only, only one can, can hope. But, uh, but it, I just thought it was very interesting, and that's why I wanted to highlight little, a little bit, uh, a little NFL talk. And I know we're, we're slowly but surely getting, getting closer to NFL season, so there will definitely be more NFL chatter. But I just wanted to, to talk about that on the home front because uh, it was something that, that definitely caught my eye, to say the least, and, and hopefully it, it lights a fire under him. Um, but, but with that being said, uh, we're going to slide a little bit over into uh, the beloved sport uh, uh, of baseball, and it's – it's trials and tribulations that are currently ongoing. Um, I, it's ugly. I, it's, it's very ugly. ugly. Yeah, you're, you're, you're not kidding. And, and I'm 100% a baseball fan. It stands at the top of, of my tier of sports. And I know we can argue that here. Uh, and I can, we can argue that someplace else. Uh, but there's, there's just kind of my emotions. It's, it's an emotional roller coaster that what's, what's going, currently going on between the owners and, and players. Uh, at this point, I, I have several thoughts, but let's just cancel the season. How about that? Hot take, you know, <laughs> hot take. How about that? I mean, at this point, you're like not very far off from being wrong. I think we've got like another two weeks or so that the MLB has to figure some shit out before uh, the, the season is just a complete lost hope. But it, it all but feels that way already because – the MLBP, the players' union, and and ownership and and whatnot, they just are so far apart from one another in terms of coming to an agreement. It seems like no matter what deal the the MLB offers the players' union, it just seems kind of to be the same structured BS as time and time again, where they want to cut salaries immensely. Yet you've got the MLB signing TV deals with I'm not sure what network it was. For like a billion dollars or several TBS. billion dollars. TBS signed that, signed that billion, billion dollar deal. A billion dollars? Oh, my Lord. Uh, yeah, so it's like these owners are definitely getting their cut. And I think it was uh, the St. Louis Cardinals owner. who Bill ownership, DeWitt. Bill DeWitt who mentioned that uh, owning a baseball team is not a profitable industry. Well, my friend, if it wasn't profitable, you probably would have gotten out of the game a long time ago. Aren't Otherwise, one of the most winning franchise in baseball too as well? <laughs> Correct, Rudy, correct. So it's like, how can you make such an asinine comment like that, full well-knowing, A, you are one of the most winningest franchise, B, you're one of the most well-known franchises across the nation, probably across the world. You know, they've had some well-renowned players. But it's like, how, 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 can, how can there be such a discrepancy between ownership and players that they can't find some, some mediated, middle, middle ground mediating point where – Okay, we'll play X amount of games. You play us X amount of dollars, and we'll get that. We'll 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 come to an agreement because the fans want to see us play. I think we can all agree. I I know as a baseball fanatic, I would love nothing more to see baseball. It would hurt me dearly to not be able to sit at a ballpark, pay twenty dollars for a beer and a hot dog, which I would love to do more than anything. But at this point, I would give anything just to see the damn guys get out on the field. You know, for God's sakes. 
my first year as a White Sox season ticket holder. Possibly one of their best years up and coming, and it gets sucked out from underneath us. First by first by a pandemic, next by social injustices, and third and foremost, the players un- the players union and and the ownership can't come to any sort of agreement about what to do. It just it it hurts. It hurts. Yes. And if you guys don't mind enlightening me on the topic a little bit, the whole discrepancy, at least from what I heard, not I'm not the biggest baseball buff here, but it's just uh you know the players union and the owners keep having a discrepancy with uh, the structure of how much the players are going to get paid for a supposed 89 game season, but now it might be a 50 game season and people aren't really sure what's going on. Um, And I know the players keep getting the, I guess the same money offered to them that isn't anywhere near what they're expecting. So, I mean, I mean, how is this, I guess, moving forward? I mean, it doesn't seem like it really is. And it doesn't seem like, I guess the owners or players are really expecting anything to come. So, I mean, I guess Alex's hot tape. Do you guys really think, you know, could the MLB season potentially be canceled? I mean, no, they, they, ha- they are mandated to play some sort of games. It's, this is just me venting as a, as a frustrated baseball fan. Okay. They, they, they're mandated to play. I believe it's anywhere between uh, 46 and 54 games. And I think the middle ground is around 50. Uh, and that that's just, uh, according to like the, their negotiations with uh, MLB across the board, so yes, they will have to play at some point. And I think they 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 de- they declined the the deal that ownership basically offered them uh, on Friday yesterday. They had until I think today it was to to say yes or no to that deal. And essentially, the issue is the the owners are crying wolf. They're saying that there's no money. Well. Players are just like, well, we want to get paid for for what we're playing. I know one of the deals, and this is probably going back just a little bit, so I'm dating myself here. But for for example, they want them they propose a deal for them to play 72 games, but they're but the ownership only wants to pay them for 50. Now I know in in my own personal life, I know if I went to work for X amount of weeks and my company said, oh no, we're only going to pay you for a week of that time that you worked, I would not be a happy person. So. My my anger and my frustration is not towards the players. It is kind of solely on on ownership, front office, and 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 a little bit of uh, of Fred Manfred and and Tony Clark because they're they're not doing anybody any justice. And here's a, just a little sidebar here: baseball as itself, as as a sport, is struggling. The fans are going down. Viewership is going down. People say the games are too long. There's too many games. It goes well into October and sometimes even into November with the world series, you know, they're, they're losing people. Basketball and, and hockey are 82 games. I've said this before, let's cut the season, but that, that is something that will never happen because there's too much money involved, whether it be partnerships, uh, deals with, you know, vendors, with sponsors, whatever, maybe with TV. So that's, that's a null and void topic. I don't ever see that happening until maybe there's a point where MLB just really got desperate. But what it really boils down to is the fact that ownership wants to pay them for X amount of games, which is much less than what they want them to play for. So I don't really know exactly what's going to happen, but a deal basically needs to be struck within the next coming days because the season needs to really get on a roll and they really have to do like a a spring training 2.0. So there's a whole lot of stuff to unwrap, but it's basically – Ownership crying wolf, 
players just want to play and they want to play, play and get paid for what they play essentially. So that's just my two cents on it. Like me saying that I wish they cancel it. I really wish they wouldn't and they know they won't, but that's just venting as a frustrated baseball fan, which I know that there's thousands and thousands of people across the country who probably echo those same sentiments. I, I also wonder too, say they do reach some sort of messy agreement that agrees to pay them, you know, whatever dollar amount that they ask. But is it also a possibility that some players could just opt to sit out the season or, or is that like unlikely to happen? Cause I, cause I wonder too, for like any, any player, no matter what sport you're in, say you agree to take a pay cut, you play at like a substantially less amount of games. But what happens if you get hurt in that short period of time and your career gets severely cut short because of whatever, whatever happened this season, excuse me, or it could impact your ability to sign a larger deal down the road. You know, there's a lot of factors that go into this. Yeah. I'm, I'm not a hundred percent sure in terms of like the, the dynamics of payment in terms of like a long-term entry. I know that their contracts are guaranteed, uh, but I don't know really how that impacts a season like this where with a pandemic that's really cut the season essentially in half. So I don't know how that would unfold or how that would pertain to players. Um, that that's kind of something that's not common knowledge. I don't think that's brought made public essentially, but, but going back to your second point, whether players can sit out, I think if a player sits out, probably there's some type of clause in their contract that ownership uh, probably might ha- not have to pay them at all. So I, think, I get it, that. I think it's I think it's best for just them to kind of come to some sort of agreement, just play, um, get paid for what they what games they actually play. You know, regular season in in the the makeshift playoffs that they're kind of putting together, and just go from there. And hopefully that doesn't tarnish uh, the 2021 MLB season. And hopefully that will start on time. And there's no type of strike or any other disagreement that goes into 2021. You know. Definitely. It, it's just really ugly to see. And we've mentioned this on a, on a few other podcasts, but how even, even the NBA, it, it, they're in a bit of a predicament right now with players not wanting to play and whatnot. The NHL, they, they kind of figured out a little bit of a tournament program that will get them back on, back on ice. But the MLB, as well-renowned as it is, definitely bigger than the NHL, arguably equally, if not larger than the NBA, and they can't figure out some sort of deal where – they can meet in the middle. It's just, as we mentioned, it really looks bad on, on, on Manfred, Rob Manfred. Yes. I say, yeah. Mm-hmm. Rob Manfred. It's just like, you're, you're the ultimate deciding factor in all of this. And you, you could drive this one or two ways. You could either bring guys back onto the field or you can push guys away from the field. And ultimately that will reflect poorly on him when viewers and attendance drop significantly in the years to follow of, 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 of future baseball. So, I don't really know, but I I hate to see it go down this path because, like like I said, I'm a diehard baseball fan. I'd give anything to see them play back on the field again, but I, it is what it is at this point. I don't really know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I said, they're, they're mandated to play at some point, so we'll really see how that unfolds. Uh, but, yes, they're they're definitely losing fans. Uh, they're losing support, uh, and it's really making baseball, which has struggled as of late, uh, look even worse in, in terms of all the, all the major sports across the country. So um, I, can, I can only hope that uh, at a certain point there's, there's some type of, you know, handshake. Uh, but I know the, the, as of the last thing that I've, I've read, 
was um, players players have basically just said, uh, tell us when and where. So you, you can tell that their their frustration is is definitely it's going to play. Yeah. Oh, it's 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 boiled over. So um, I I don't really know what's going to happen, but you you can tell that everybody's everybody's basically done. And I, I've seen uh, a multitude of players kind of chime in and say, we just want to play. We just want to play and we want to play and get paid for what we play. So uh, I support the likes of a, a Jack Flaherty from the Cardinals uh, and a Trevor Bauer from the Reds uh, being vocal and saying, this, this is ex- exactly where we stand uh, and, and they're making it public. So I, I can definitely respect uh, where they're coming from. So. Um, it's it's just it's a travesty though, just to say the least. So, absolutely, we'll, we'll see we'll see what really happens, but uh, but yeah, uh, we'll, we'll we'll hopefully get there one day. Who knows uh, who knows exactly when that will be? But yeah, uh, if it's in this calendar year or not, we'll find out, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So with that being said, the um, you know the the likes of a, a a Jack Flaherty and Trevor Bauer and and Sean Doolittle and Amir Garrett are all just being vocal in their in their thoughts and opinions and how baseball should already be being played instead of just being in limbo right now. So um, I know I've said it a thousand times already, but the frustration is 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 beyond me already. I can only understand where the players are because you know this is their routine. This is where they want to be normally on on a on a June day, you know, it's sunny out. They're already suited up. This is, this is day game time for guys. So, um, I, I, I'm, I'm just hopeful for baseball here soon, but I, I wouldn't, uh, uh, my, my interest level is kind of, kind of dying here as we go. So and any, any last thoughts on this whole baseball limbo, limbo kind of. Yeah, stuff? no, I, I mean, as you can tell, I mean, it's already getting infuriating with the players. Like you said, Alex, I mean, I saw Twitter post uh, Andrew McCutcheon put up, I mean, kind of explaining the whole situation. It was like him, like mirroring himself as a toddler and, uh, you know, asking the toddler to do something and saying he would give him juice, but then actually only giving him water. And the kid was like, no, um, I, I want juice. You told me I get juice. And then Andrew McCutcheon would just kind of reformat the water in different cups, trying to tell him, he's like, no, no, you want this kind of, uh, you know, highlighting the whole situation going on right now with the baseball players union and the owners. And I think it's just kind of crazy just seeing someone like with that magnitude and, and I guess uh, power of like, you know, speech, uh, someone like Andrew McCutcheon just, just going out there and saying, you know, this is kind of what's happening. It's kind of funny just to see this whole situation un- unravel. Yeah. I mean, and he's basically just saying that uh, MLB owners are, are going out there offering players the same deal, just, reformatted by by games or whatever it may be so the the numbers aren't changing they're not getting any better for the players and that's why to attest to this day we're not watching any baseball right now so it's um it's it's terrible but it is where we're at right now uh aside from this whole pandemic stuff going on right now so um just with that being said uh, there, there is kind of another, another bit of highlight that that I can associate with baseball, and it's, it's, it's currently in the news right now, uh, because there's a, there's a, a documentary coming out today, um, the long, long gone summer, basically the, the home run chase of '98 between uh, McGuire and Sosa. Um, I know you guys were super young in '98. Obviously, uh, you don't really, really remember any, any of the stuff, but I'm sure you're able to see highlights. Um, 
but but it's just kind of a nostalgic moment for me to go back into my childhood and see that the, the those two guys go out there and just kind of crank bombs day in and day out. Um, it's uh, it's it's just kind of it, like I said, it's it's just nostalgic for me. So uh, I'm definitely curious and interested to see what uh, what what's highlighted. I, I know a, a big topic for me and I'll, and I'll post this question to both of you being, you know, being us being a Chicago based guys, not, not really, not really huge cup fans by any means, but Sammy Sosa, we definitely know where, where he stands and uh, what he's done for the game of baseball. Um, but why, why do you guys think that he has not been welcomed back by the Cubs? You know, that that's a really good question. I, I have never really thought about that. I feel like maybe it has something to do with like uh, his 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 scandals in in baseball, and then post baseball, his life has kind of been a little bit of a roller coaster. Not that I know much about it, but I think uh, it's kind of hard to honor a guy who doesn't really know who he is. You know what I mean? And and going back to it, it's like yeah, he had a great baseball career, but he's also kind of marred with some some conflicting times where there's well well known cheating and I think the same goes for Mark McGuire I don't really know how well he's respected in in St. Louis but actually I was I was reading an article a couple weeks ago about this whole thing and that's why I wanted to bring it to the forefront he he was fully welcomed back by the Cardinals and I know they honored him on a certain day I don't really exactly remember what day it was but he was given his his red jacket and that's kind of something that welcomes you back into the the cardinal family as a somewhat of a other uh, one of their memorable players or hall of famers in a sense like a team hall of fame so he's he's been embraced and obviously he did go out there and admit that he he did cheat he did take steroids performing enhancing drugs however you want to label it so I, I just don't understand why why Sammy has not been welcomed back on the north side of Chicago. And I know he has adamantly denied that he's not taking steroids. However, there is there is some evidence that shows that he he did uh, test positive back in 2003. And I know he they definitely both have had tumultuous careers. Obviously, ran high uh, during that 98 season, and obviously, kind of really took a tumble in the following years because of of, of con- conflicts. But uh, but it's very intriguing to see that how a guy like Sammy Sosa, who who really put the Cubs on the map during their their days of struggle, is not welcomed back by by that organization. It's 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 intriguing to say the least. Like I said, I think it goes alongside with what Christian said, with just those conflicting issues going in. Uh, I guess inside of his professional career and outside his professional career, with the whole accusations of I guess you know performance enhancing drug use as well as I think there was a, a, you know, just the other scandals that were going on within his life. So, and, and, you know, the Cubs being such a world-renowned franchise, I don't think they necessarily want to associate themselves with someone until, like Christian said as well earlier, until kind of gets their whole perspective figured out. But I think, you know, somewhere down the road, Cubs will definitely eventually bring Sammy Sosa back to the city of Chicago and honor him just because he said all he's done for the city during, I guess those hard times for the Cub fans. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, my my only guess could be that they're they're just waiting for him to admit that he was wrong or that he cheated or whatever it may be. If that's all it's really going to take, uh, why don't the Cubs be the bigger person in as as the organization? Them reach out to Sammy and be like, "Hey, Sammy, we just want you to come clean. We just want to know exactly what what happened during those thir- during those great years that you brought 
to the city of Chicago on the north side. You really helped us put you really helped put us on the map. Um, so so there can be some closure for him because I'm sure he would definitely be receptive to a homecoming in a sense to to be welcomed back to the, to the Cubs. I know he would want to be part of their their days where they honor their Hall of Famers and their their special special players to that team. So I, I just can't seem to get past it. Obviously, like I said, myself being kind of on the outside looking in because I'm not not a, a supporter of the team, but that's that's neither here nor there. But I, I would just like to see kind of what his what his stance is and what his perspective is. So going back to this documentary that's airing uh, later today, I'm kind of hoping that they're, they're, he puts out basically like a statement as to why, you know, maybe he, he has the, the answer to it that everybody's trying to find out. So uh, I, I'll just be intrigued to kind of see a little bit of a backstory from the 98 season. Cause I know I was, I, I was able to watch it live, but I was still relatively young. So. I think another valid point you have to consider too is, Sammy Sosa played how many years ago? At least 15 years ago now, I would say. Probably somewhere along those lines, yeah. I, I don't really know when his career peaked, ended, and declined and whatnot, but you have to think for most fans of the game today, when you hear the name Sammy Sosa, you definitely don't think of steroids or cork bats. You probably think of him hitting 50, 60 home runs, hitting a ball off the scoreboard in Milwaukee during the home run derby, the, things of that nature, you know. You, you you think of the positives that he contributed to the Cubs organization, not all the negatives, or more so, I not a Cub fan whatsoever, but I can tell you one moment I'll never forget is post-9-11, Sammy Sosa hits a home run, and he carries a mini American flag with him as he sprints around the bases, and that by far was one of the most like awesome things you could see, because it really unified baseball fans across the, across the country, you know, didn't matter who you were a fan of that day, it was just we're all proud to be American and Sammy really embraced that that day. So it's kind of weird. Like, you know, the Cubs don't do something along those lines to, to honor the the successes he had in his career. Yeah. It's, it's troubling, but, but yeah, that def, that moment definitely stands out in my mind where he ran around the bases. And I know uh, when the game started, he did the same thing too, where he does his, his sprint out to right field where, and he kind of runs like along the, the warning track and, and greets fans and waves and stuff like that. And he was carrying that, that, that small American flag as, as a proud moment of, of unity and, and just, just a symbol of, yeah, we're back and, you know, baseball, baseball, baseball is here to stay. So it's, it's kind of sad to see. And, and I really hope he gets some closure before it's all said and done with the Chicago Cubs. So that, that's kind of really my stance on it. I think it'll just be intriguing to, to see because his last year in baseball was 07 with the Texas Rangers, but, uh, but his career went from, I believe, uh, nine, 1992 to 2004 with the Cubs. So he had a long run with him. And granted, yeah, most some of those years were, you know, he wasn't cranking six, 50, 60, 70 bombs or whatever, maybe. Uh, but he was definitely uh, one of the most notable players on that organization. So uh, I would definitely recommend tuning, tuning in tonight to that, uh, to that documentary because it will be interesting to see the, uh, the most recent interviews that, that I have done, been done with uh, Sosa McGuire. Um, but but with that being said, uh, we are going to wrap up this episode of Row 7 Podcast. Shout out to TimeSkew uh, Network for, for the promotion uh, and all the, the association and the collabs. Really appreciate it. Uh, Chris, as always, thank you as well for joining, out, joining. Rudy, shout out as well. Thank you for hopping on, giving some, some perspective as well too. Looking forward to, uh, to many more down the road. But with that being said, 
We are Row 7 Podcast, and we are out. Bye.